Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 342. My name is John Morgan. Cold coffee is not with me today. Uh, how do we put this? We'll just lay it out there. It is, uh, while we're both in Las Vegas right now, um, it is the one-year anniversary of a very sad and uh, upsetting and emotional event for our man, Cole Coffee, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, he requested to take a couple days off to kind of uh, be alone and uh, spend some time with himself and process his thoughts, which we can uh, certainly understand. So I'm sure any of you guys that are out there in touch with Cold Coffee, I uh, want to send him a little emotional support. I'm sure that he would be appreciative of that. Uh, he has uh, volunteered to, get, to go ahead and produce the show and, and edit it all together once we get done, but uh, he just wasn't in a, a great mood for chatting, which I completely understand. So uh, thoughts to our man, Cole Coffee, and uh, he'll join us again next week, of course. But for now, it's me. You got me, John Morgan. I mean, it's the MMA Road Show with John Morgan. I'm not going to leave you hanging. 342 consecutive weeks, you know we're delivering. And you know we're going to deliver when it's October, my favorite month of the year here in Las Vegas. I know you don't want the, the weather report right now, but I don't care. I'm giving it to you anyway. It's 70 degrees outside. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. I'm telling you, April or October. If you're coming to Las Vegas and you can do it during these months, do it, man. It's uh, This is my favorite month of the fall. It's absolutely beautiful. Going to head over to soccer practice with my son here in a little bit, you know, with a little chill in the air. Can't beat it, man. I mean, I like the summers here, but 115 gets a little little rough like we were doing in summer camp this year. So nice 70 degrees. It'll be all right. So uh, always, if you can make it in April, October, do it in Las Vegas. It's been busy, man. Things just stay busy, man. Uh, I will say one more little side personal note. Uh, my son, speaking of soccer, did get his first ever lifetime goal in his game this past Friday. So uh, that was awesome, man. He, he hadn't scored to that point. That was his first goal, and uh, it was it was a special moment. I was a proud pop out there, man. You could see the, the joy on his face as well. The joy on his face was twofold. Number one, because he, he hadn't scored yet. He wanted to know that feeling of scoring. Anybody that's played soccer knows that feeling is a good feeling. Uh, but also... Because his mom had promised him uh, V bucks. <laughs> That's right. We are bribing our son for athletic performance uh, with Fortnite gifts. So <laughs> I think he was happy to have uh, scored a goal and to know that feeling, but happy to know he was coming home to some V bucks as well. So uh, anyway, proud little family moment there. It was nice, man. There's there's nothing better than seeing that joy on your kid's face, man. Uh, I did see Eddie Baracco out there as well, noted uh, coach out here in the Las Vegas area, and uh, he was actually on the, on the, the field right next to me. And uh, was there watching his kid. Man, something I hadn't thought about. And this is something I just want to share. It's kind of a personal thing. But, you know, I was telling him that I had to, had to miss a couple games for travel. It was actually his first game that he had been able to, to, to go to this year, which I think we're in like we were in like week four last week. And he had only been able to go uh, to that one game because on Friday nights, the the coaches and the staffs and the, the cornermen are still being quarantined, which, I, to be honest, I think I would kind of forgotten about. Um, even if you're local – you know, you got to quarantine, and if you're part of the corners uh, of, of these fight events at the UFC Apex. So, you know, while media, we've kind of gotten our lives back in terms of not having to go test every every week and not having to go quarantine like we're doing it. These corners are still having to do that. So, man, shout out to these coaches that are in, you know, corners all the time because they're still having to go do that on Friday nights and, and giving up their, uh, you know, I guess if you're traveling in, you were you were going to stay in a hotel anyway. But if you're one of these Las Vegas-based coaches. You know, you got to give up your Friday night with your family to go be with your team, man. So, um, 
I don't know. It just kind of made me think, like, damn, I didn't realize you guys were still doing that. So got to do that last Friday. And, of course, uh, last Saturday was UFC Fight Night 194. Thought it was a fun card. Of course, we uh, broke it all down on the and a half episode over at uh, patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. But, you know, the only note I'll share with you, you here is, is man, I, I, I hope somebody can talk you and and check into taking this fight um i you know i i've been told behind the scenes that she basically it's it's title fighter bust for her right now that she's she's doing okay financially and, and and not really in a big hurry to fight you know she's got businesses and a load of fame over in her native poland that kind of allows her to to just do what she wants to do and right now you know she doesn't want to take just any fight you know she wants to fight for titles and and uh, totally understand that totally respect that man i'm a huge joanna and jacek fan um, I, you know, I used to love interviewing her and her intensity and her fighting style and everything about it. So I'm not sitting back here trying to take a pot shot at Yoanny and Jacek saying she's not fighting. But, man, if there was ever a fight that I would hope would excite her, it, it would be Marina Rodriguez in the style, you know, that's not a championship fight. Because, you know, and listen, Marina is so respectful and she's not a trash talker. So, you know, the most she could come out and say is, well, I don't know if she should still have that ranking. She hasn't fought in a long time. And that's that's about, like, the most you're ever going to get out of trash talk out of Marina Rodriguez. But at least she's mentioned it. It stirs the pot just a little bit, right? Gets people thinking, you know, Joanna, hey, do you need to come back and protect what's yours, defend the fact that, you're, you know, this ranking is yours? But, I mean, stylistically, I just think a fight between those two would be so phenomenal. And I always have thought that, but – you know, they were so far apart in the rankings. I'm like, well, how is Marina Rodriguez going to get the attention of Joanna and Jacek? Well, now she's winning UFC main events, you know, and now she's on the cusp of, of, of a title shot. You know, now maybe she's taking that title opportunity away from you, Joanna and Jacek, you know. So so do you want to get in there and defend that and, and prove that you're still the one that deserves that ranking and deserves that discussion? So I, I, stylistically, I just I think that's the most fun fight in the division for Marina Rodriguez. So I do hope that that fight happens. I'm not – especially optimistic that it will, uh, but, I, but I'd love to see it happen for sure. So anyway, uh, just kind of the, the main takeaway there from that fight. And of course, like I said, if you want to hear the full breakdown of everything, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. We do that every single week for as little as $3 a month worth of support and helping out the show. Uh, we talk about and, and wrap up every event. There was one thing I, I think I kind of forgot to mention when I was doing the, the wrap-up was that the, the crowd – uh, in the fight during uh, Randy Brown's fight, I think by the third round, and I, I don't know if something was said in between rounds or because Randy was on the side of the audience that started reacting. I don't know if it was his family or his supporters or whatever, but at some point they figured out what was happening when he stepped on his foot to, to, to get the thing back in place, and every time he would do it, you'd hear this, oh! Oh! <laughs> you know, like everybody grossing out. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny to, to, to see that. I don't know if the, the audio could pick up on that on, on the broadcast, but uh, it was pretty damn funny. So that was the weekend, and of course then we, we jump right into it, man. This is this is dual event week every week here in Las Vegas. Uh, we're up at the, the UFC Apex four days a week, man. And of course, Dana White's Contender Series uh, 43 was this past weekend, uh, or this past Tuesday, I should say. So earlier this week, yeah, it all runs together. It wasn't a weekend. It was a Tuesday, just like it is every Tuesday. Uh, but Dana White's Contender Series 43. By the way, another CFFC vet in the main event, Christian Rodriguez. We got another one next week, too. But CFF, I, I love it. Cage Fury Fighting Championships. There's nothing I like better than calling their fights than watch these fighters go to the next level. Man, it's awesome. But Christian Rodriguez did pick up the analysis and win over Reyes Cortez. Of course, Christian Rodriguez had missed weight. Didn't get the contract. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. And you... 
I hope you guys saw the, the outpouring of support uh, for Christian from, you know, the Rufus Sport crew, man. I saw it seemed like everybody, every last one of them on, on Twitter saying, you got to take this guy, you got to take this guy. Um, you know, I heard a lot about Christian besides seeing him fight from, from CM Punk. You know, CM Punk, of course, trains at, at Rufus Sport as well. And, you know, we would talk about him quite a bit. And, you know, he said Christian, I think, came there when he was like 16 years old. And he's been training there for seven years and, Everybody's so high on the kid, just in terms of being a quality fighter, but also in terms of just being a quality guy as well. You know, everybody was cheering for him. So, but man, the kid's just 23. He will turn 24 in December, um, but he's just 23, and I thought he looked great in this fight. But you know, a little more, a little bit more seasoning, I don't think hurts. You know, I, I to me, I kind of like around that that around that 10 fight mark. I like that. You know, 10 fights under your belt. And get you to the UFC. I, I think you know a little bit more experience doesn't hurt. Now, you know he's been training since he's 16. He's been in a high level gym. He's seen a lot. So you know maybe he w- maybe he would be okay. Um, but I don't hate a little bit more seasoning. And um, I'm assuming that that seasoning will continue to get done under the CFSC banner. So uh, I look forward to calling a few more of his fights and then and then seeing him head back to the UFC Apex to fight in the UFC. So um, I didn't hate it. I, I didn't hate it, but. It was made a little bit more controversial by the Jake Hadley situation, right? Where Jake Hadley misses weight as well, but Dana says, hey, you know, I, the matchmaker said no. I'm breaking my own rules here, but I see something special in this kid, and uh, and I'm bringing him on board anyway. And, man, this was just the craziest, I mean, the craziest situation all the way around because Hadley did miss weight, um, and so automatically you think maybe he's out, right? But then you hear as well that, you know, he's causing a stir behind the scenes. And, um, you know, if Cold Coffee was here to, to talk about it, you know, I, I was interested to get his take about that because him and I had spoken a little bit about it, you know, off air and, and kind of passing. And, uh, you know, I think he feels the same way I do, which is if you think that Dana White hears about every single little tiny pain in the ass thing that happens behind the scenes, you do not. <laughs> People do not want to bother Dana with that stuff. So for. For rumblings of this guy doing some stuff behind the scenes that upset people to make it all the way to Dana, I, I, I don't know. And, you know, Hadley comes out and says it's a misunderstanding. He doesn't really know exactly what it is. He thinks maybe it's a, you know, a, a difference in humor uh, between between the Brits and, and Americans, which, you know, there may be a little bit of that here and, here and there every now and then. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, and I'm not trying to take shots at Hadley because, uh, to be honest with you, I'm glad they signed him. I think this is a guy that, that I tend to agree with what Dana's saying as well. I think this kid's got something, man. You know, Cage Warriors champ. We've been watching his rise over there. Dude has got legitimate skills. Looked fantastic in the fight. You know, Dana mentioned the, the ground skills that he showed and the aggression. I mean, I completely agree, man. So I'm happy for Jake Hadley. And and talking to the kid afterwards, you know, he's – I mean, it's awesome. You know, he's, he's all in on fighting. He's like, dude, I don't know. You know, I didn't – I, I quit school because what what you know what do I need school for? I don't need any of this stuff. I'm fighting, you know. And uh, you see, if I was born a thousand years ago, I'd be a gladiator in the Colosseum. And and I mean this this dude is all in on fighting. He says I I, I don't watch TV. I watch fighting. I don't I don't I don't know anything but fighting. You know what I mean? And uh, while I won't say that that's always the healthiest approach to life, uh, it seems to be working for him. You know, so I'm happy the guy's in. But, you know, the weight miss stuff did make it controversial, especially when, you know, you pass on Christian Rodriguez and, and you say, well, he missed weight. But but he's also really young. So 
it was kind of funny because you know we were kind of joking backstage where it's like I mean, we do realize at this point, like it's it's it, you can't even sit there and go, well, it's hypocritical. It's hypocritical. There are no rules. It's just data making it up. So, uh, pretty funny, pretty funny stuff. The way that all played out, and to add to it, the great thing was uh, Hadley comes in to start talking to us, and then uh, Chelsea from the USC's PR department like interrupts him during his his interview to say, hold on, hold on, Dana's gonna come in now. So they stop. First time ever, they've stopped somebody. They pull him off stage. And then they bring him back to finish his interview after Dana does, you know, his media interview after Contender Series because, you know, he wants to get done and go home and all that. So I, just the whole situation was bizarre. I kind of joked. I was like, man, you have had the weirdest entry to the UFC I've ever seen. And, you know, I can't wait to see what weird stuff happens to your career. So, uh, yeah, a, a fun entrance in, in Jake Hadley. So, uh, but, you know, just put it all out there to say that, man, I, I think Hadley does have something. And, I, I, you know, I think it's okay that that they made a, an exception here. You know, I I get you know why somebody else might say, well, you, you shouldn't do it. But look, at the end of the day, it's Dana's call, and uh, I don't know. I'm happy for the guy, and I'm hoping Christian Rodriguez, you know, gets a few more fights in CFSC and then makes it back a little bit more seasoning. 23 years old. Not, nothing wrong with making sure that once you're there, you're there. You know what I mean? That you're not gonna just take a couple losses and 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 then you're done. You know, it's and I'm not saying he would do that, but I just don't. I don't hate the fact that he's going to get a little extra seasoning, you know. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Now, <laughs> I was going to, uh, you know, had cold coffee, not needed a couple of uh, a couple of days off to himself. Which, by the way, if you're going to watch the weigh-ins Friday morning, uh, I probably won't be able to chat much because I'm going to be doing uh, uh, video and photos as well. So I'm, uh, cold coffee's taking Friday off as well. Um, so I will do my best to chat. If you're one of those that joins us in the in the chat uh, every Friday for the weigh-ins, which is always fun, I'll do my best. Um, but I'm I'm actually I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit nervous. We used to just stream from, you know, when I was streaming, I would stream from my my iPhone, which doesn't look great, you know. Um, but we've kind of stepped it up a little bit, right? We but it, it involves using some new gear that I've only used once. It was it was in Houston, if you remember that pay per view, uh, where I was having all kinds of technical difficulties and it was uh, it was stressful and I was getting equipment shipped to our hotel room that, that I thought that I didn't know we needed and I don't know. So I'm, I'll be honest with you, as I sit here right now, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm gonna try to get a good night's sleep tonight, make sure I'm fresh and I'm on top of it tomorrow. Uh, so just be prepared for that. But anyway, I say all that. Because if he had been here, I was definitely going to open the show with like just saying, uh, you know, just doing a little intro and then maybe kind of laying out and, and, and seeing what, what Cold Coffee does. And then I was just going to bust his balls and be like, oh, I thought you might want to repeat what I just said word for word. <laughs> because if you were watching the uh, the Dana White's Contender Series uh, media scrum with Dana White afterwards, Cold Coffee got burned a little bit. Cold Coffee got burned a little bit. Um so I'll, I'll play that here because I think it's funny. Then I'll, I'll share with you a little bit about the backstory of this. But um, I thought this moment was pretty funny. And basically it was, you know, obviously we asked about several things. I asked Dana, you know, a couple different topics. But one topic I had to get to was Aspen Ladd and the controversy about her headlining this week. And so that was uh, that that was uh, the question that uh, that ended up playing a part in this uh, Dana White roasting. So here's here's how it went down. And two last ones for me. I want to ask you about the main event this week. You talk about missing weight. Aspen Ladd, of course, missed weight. Now she's headlining a show, um, clearly moving up a weight class, which it seems like she needs to do. But there's a lot of people that are saying, what are you doing? You're, you're rewarding this girl that missed weight by giving her a main event. So I, how do you look at the main event this weekend? Yeah, we'd be rewarding her if she was fighting at 35. I mean, she's fighting at 45. She's moving up a weight class. 
which is what she needs to do. The girl's ready to fight. She's got to fight. Um, she's obviously talented. She's one of the most talented, uh, you know, girls in the world. So, um, yeah. Okay. So that was my question, at least the question about Aspen Ladd, of course. A question that had to be asked, right? I mean, we had to get into it. Now, some time goes on. Some time goes on. Oscar Willis, uh, our man Hot T from the, from the Mac Life, he asked a couple questions as well. Okay, you know, time flies by. Then, then, then Cole Coffee picks up the reins. He, he's become, as we know, he's become more of a reporter, you know? I mean, he's in these scrums. He's not just filming them anymore. He's actually taking part in these media sessions. And, uh... Well, he asked a couple questions as well, and he wraps it up like this. And last for me, a lot of people were surprised with the, the rebooking of Aspen Ladd to fill for this card, where a lot of people almost felt like it was rewarding her after the weight miss and that fight sort of falling out. What was the reasoning behind putting her into this uh, fight with DeMont? You know that you just asked me it verbatim the same exact question that he did. Literally, no, he did. like he gave you the question to ask again because he didn't like the answer that I gave him. <laughs> Let's try again then. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what happened there? <laughs> Verbatim, the same question. You might want to rewind your camera there and listen to what I said. <laughs> it, we're not rewarding her. She's moving up in weight class. She's moving up to 45. If, if we kept her at 35 and gave her a main event, that would make sense. The girl's in shape. She's here to fight. She didn't make weight, but she's going to move up a weight class now. So, um, yeah, I don't think we're rewarding her, but we're getting her a fight. Fair enough. Thank you. I think it was slightly different than his. <laughs> Are you going to ask me the same question now? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. It was funny. And I'm not sitting – Fortunately, cold coffee was a good sport about it. I mean, look, we all kind of take turns, you know, having Dana kind of make poke fun at us. You know, like, what was it, two weeks ago? It was the, do you think I should book that fight? Do you? I'm asking you, do you think I should book that fight? You know what I mean? He's he's having a little fun. I thought this was funny. Uh, I, I'm sure I don't think cold coffee, even if he's here, would mind me playing that up. Now, I will say that I'm going to take a, a little bit of responsibility for it because cold coffee turns around to me at one point while Oscar is speaking. To uh, to Dana White, and he just kind of whispers, um, "Did you, did you, you know?" Should, and I don't hear exactly how he phrased it, but I just heard something about like, "Ask why they booked Aspen Ladd again so quickly," and I thought, "Well, that's a pretty good follow up question, right?" Like, because I just asked, you know, "Is it a reward?" Right? That's what I asked. But to ask, like, hey, man, you know, if he'd have followed up and said, "Medically, weren't you a little bit worried about her? Weren't you a little concerned?" Um, I don't think that's a bad follow-up question, right? And I think Dana would have been forced to, to answer it a little bit. But I'm going to be honest with you. Since I got this tinnitus in my ear, um, and especially uh, when I'm leaving after fights, so uh, loud, like obviously the loud music that they play in the Apex, um, it, it makes the ringing in my ears worse. So when I come back to the press room, it's pretty, it's ringing, my, it's pretty loud in my ears, so I can't hear, I'm just to be honest, I can't hear very well, like, you know how you see Dana up there put, cupping his hand around his ears, because he's gone deaf over the years with his Meniere's disease, um, this, I, I, I'm not gonna say, I, I don't think I have what he has, but I just, I'm starting to understand that, because like, I can't hear anything, so cold coffee's whispering to me, and I can barely hear what he said, and so maybe I could have saved. I think maybe he was just asking if I had asked anything about Aspen Lad. I guess maybe he was editing something else when I was talking, so he wasn't really paying attention. Um, 
So I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, no, that's good. That's good. That's why I told Cole Coffee. And then he asked the question. Um, so I take some responsibility and blame for him getting roasted. But I think he would have gotten away with it, but he hadn't used the word reward. I just think as soon as he used reward, uh, you know, Dana kind of keyed in on that. And then the rest is history. But I thought it was pretty funny anyway. It was a good moment. <laughs> All right, UFC Fight Night 195 is this week. Uh, Cole Coffee will be there on Fight Night. So on Fight Night, I'll, I will be cage side covering that. And uh, he will be in the press room helping to interview the winners. Uh, and then, of course, I'll do the and a half episode over at uh, patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Aspen Ladd and Norman Dumont are in the main event. Um, see, I've seen the feedback, and I understand the feedback. Some frustration that Aspen Ladd is, is being, quote-unquote, rewarded um, for this, you know, after missing weight uh, with this opportunity. Um, and I see it. I do see it. Um, I completely understand. As far as the fight itself, I want you to know, I, I went ahead and picked Aspen Ladd and my staff picks this week. Uh, I, I am a, a firm believer in, in her skills and her quality, um, and, and, I, and I believe she has what it takes to beat Norma Dumont. Uh, and, and I'm not you know, uh, saying that Norma doesn't have an ability to win. She certainly does, especially if Aspen Ladd is not at 100% for whatever reason. But uh, you know, even though we're moving up to – uh, 145 pounds. I will say, if you if you look at the tail of the tape, and this is provided by the UFC, so I'm assuming it's accurate. But uh, Norman Dumont at 5'7", Aspen Ladd at 5'6". So even though Aspen Ladd strikes me as kind of a, uh, you know, when I think of her in my head, I think of her as kind of a smaller, more compact fighter. Uh, Norman Dumont even at, at at 145 is not that much bigger. Um, I also look at the reach, and you would think, okay, well you're moving up a weight class, is reach going to be an issue? Um, and the UFC has Dumont listed at 67 inches to Aspen Ladd 66. So not terrible. By the way, uh, striking accuracy over a career. Now, striking accuracy might be a little bit of a – this might be a statistics that, that doesn't really uh, tell this tale because a lot of Aspen Ladd strikes are taking place in ground and pound, right? I mean, she's on top of you landing. But if you look at it, striking accuracy – uh, 55.3% for Ladd, 53.5 for Dumont. So it's actually Ladd with the higher striking percentage and a higher rate of strikes landed per minute, 5.22 at 4.98. You know, again, that might be one of those statistics that's a little bit skewed because of where the strikes are taking place. They just give us the very base uh, statistical analysis, not you know, um, you know, strikes at range, strikes at whatever. So I don't have those stats available to me, but uh, we'll see. But I, I went with Aspen Ladd. But listen, I understand the controversy behind Aspen Ladd. You know, she missed weight. You know, accusations of cheating. Uh, you know, I, I I don't want to call her. I like Aspen Ladd a lot, so I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, she absolutely cheated. I will say it's weird. I think that she weighed in the first time with all her clothes on. I don't understand that. Um, what I mean, if you knew you were close, under what premise would you go? But I bet if I weigh in with all my clothes on, I'll be fine. Like I just so that was weird to me, and I don't know if that was just her in a in a state of mind at that point. Like she was so out of it at that point that she doesn't even know what she's doing. Um, I don't know, but that that so I I don't think that helps her case. And again, I like Aspen Ladd. I take her at face value. I'm not calling her a cheater. I'm just saying if you're looking objectively at everything in front of you, that's weird, right? I mean, when has anybody weighed in with all their clothes on unless they were a heavyweight that walks around at like 235, you know? And even then, you know, Arlosky will do that sometimes. He'll weigh in in all his clothes. Um, so I don't – and especially if you know you're close, why would you even step on the scale with all your clothes on? Like what's the, what's the point of that? Unless – Again, she was so out of it that maybe she didn't really know what she was doing. Okay, so I'll throw that out there. Um, it's weird. 
But, you know, for you know, Misha Tate went hard on her. Misha Tate went hard on her, man. Uh, and, and it's funny. I saw Misha Tate at that, that comedy show that we went to a, a couple weeks back, and I was talking to her about it. You know, I was like, wow, man, that's that's not normally you, you know. And she's like, well, I'm just, hey, that's the way I feel, you know. that's So, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say no. Now, you got the situation where she, she couldn't hold her arms up. Um, could she or couldn't she? I'm certainly hell not going to say that. I mean, she, she has looked terrible on the scales a couple of times, and this was one of them. Now, I wasn't there in person. I was watching on a stream. I was actually uh, in an airplane during the weigh-ins. Um, but that 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 beautiful 4K stream that Code Coffee was showing, you know, it, it, she did not look good to me. Um, so I wasn't seeing her off camera or anything like that. Like, normally I would be able to have a greater sense of everything that was going on at the time. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I will say, um, in reaction to that, and I think good on, on the Nevada Athletic Commission and hopefully, you know, other people, um, adopt this or what have you. But, uh, we noticed that in the contender series way in this past week where two guys missed weight, they've asked, so because look, it looked like Aspen was struggling to keep her hands in the air to me too, right? But we all know what we're trying to do, right? We're trying not to get the Daniel Cormier towel trick, you know, behind. Okay, we we all know what it's about. That's why they need to see their hands. But what they did at the Contender Series weigh-ins is they told the fighters they could put their hands on their shoulders, meaning cross your hands in front of your in front of your chest. I mean, I guess oh, it'd be bad to say like a like a body or whatever. I don't know. Like, but I guess maybe oh, like you're going down a water slide. Isn't that what they make you do when you're going down a water slide? You, you crisscross your hands over your chest, and then you 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 put your your hands. So your right hand is on your left shoulder. Your left hand is on your right shoulder. I know we're dealing with the audio here, but hopefully that that description makes sense. But that way, your hands are on your shoulder, and they can see that you're not grabbing anything. But you're also not being asked to hold your hands straight up, which may be a little tough if you're dehydrated, if you're weakened, and of course that scale starts shaking. You know. Uh, again, while we're not using a digital scale, that's an argument for another day. But the, the scale that we use, that beam scale, it starts shaking a little bit. And once it starts moving, it's kind of hard to sell it because it floats, you know, and it's kind of a weird feeling. Um, anyway, I just thought that was a nice adjustment. Minor little tweak. Most people probably wouldn't notice it, but a minor little adjustment. So, Aspen Lab, how does she answer to everything? Well, we had a chance to speak to her. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, I, I to be honest with you, you know, I, I like the way she answered things. I'll, I'll let you judge for yourself. Here's Aspen Lab. Aspen, I mean, I guess it might be tough to put into words, but the emotional roller coaster that I imagine this has been the last couple of weeks, what's what's it been like for you? Well, it's been pretty unreal. Um, obviously, the last time was pretty terrible. And then coming home from that, I was home for a few days. I was basically disconnected from people, social media, everything. And then I get this call. I was like, well, that was unexpected, but sweet. I know you took ownership right away. You said, look, I know what's going to happen, but this, this is just the reality of what it is. People still were not very kind to you. I guess you said you unplugged. Did you, I mean, were you surprised at all to get that kind of reaction or did you just know, like, I, I know this is exactly what's coming? No, I knew that was exactly what's coming, um, especially with what we do. We're very accessible in the media and social media-wise, people are always, uh, always on there. So it's not surprising. When you do well, you do well. When something bad happens, you get shit on. What was going through your mind that, that morning of weigh-ins? I mean, did you know, like, there's just no way this is going to happen? And, I mean, is there – do you have to have those battles? Like, do we keep trying? And, I mean, do we put our health at risk? I mean, what was all that like? No, we were still trying up until the end. Like, three hours trying to get the last pound off. Wasn't going to happen. Didn't happen. Uh, went right to weigh-ins from cutting weight and did the best we could. And, and I guess I didn't – to be certain, did the commission rule you ineligible or did she decline to take the fight? No, she declined to take the fight. But that's all right. I was going to say, did that frustrate you at all? I mean, do you feel like that added to what happened? I mean, do you put any of that blame on her? 
No, I don't blame the other fighter. I mean, it's in the reverse of the situation. I would have taken it, but that's just because also she's uh, getting a fair chunk of my purse. But everybody reacts things differently and makes her own decisions, and she chose not to fight, and that's, as I said, her right. So the fans, obviously, they're going to say what they say. Uh, you had Misha Tate come out and criticize you pretty hard. Um, I, I mean, I guess there's some history, and maybe it's all about some matchmaking, especially since she's active. But um, did, did that, you know, register on your radar, and what did you make of, of all that? A little bit. I respect Misha very much as a fighter, and I've won the fighters since she came back. She is uh, probably one of the biggest names in women's MMA besides Ronda and Cyborg. So when she came back, I think all the 35ers wanted to basically wanted a piece of her. And I'm one of them. So I, she's, I don't know, there's just a thing where somebody else is going through something that's not very pleasant. I'd rather never make them feel worse or comment on it. It's like, why? You're just putting more negativity out there. Other people don't feel that way. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll meet down the road. In her accusation especially, because it's one thing for people to talk about you missing weight, right? It's another one to maybe call in your character that you're that you're attempting to cheat the system. I mean... Did, did that stand out to you, or what do you say to people that, that you were trying to cheat somehow? No, I was dying at the time. Um, very, very bad all the way around. But, I don't know, everybody's different, man. Everybody thinks their own way and uh, acts their own way, whether it's negative, positive, whatever. Fair enough. So all that gets over. You get back with the team. At that point, is, is the decision made like, hey, we're going to 45, or does the UFC call and say, hey, we've got this opportunity at 45 what do you think how did that play out we've been planning on going to 45 as well as 35 but 45 the last couple of years we've been talking about it and the UFC was aware of that before this last fight there was talk of doing a 45 fight instead it was just trying to get through that last one and uh is 45 the only weight class no it's just gonna take me a good long while to do 35 and do it healthy but no we've been talking about 45 for a while and this fight was completely unexpected like it, they called me on Wednesday so it wasn't like you volunteering. It was them reaching out to you and saying, yeah. oh, by the way, here's something we got for you. Yeah, no, heck no. What happened was uh, as soon as Holly fell out, and I don't know who they called first. I'm assuming they probably called other people, but Norma's a dangerous opponent. I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know it was five rounds. I did not know it was main event. I just knew that Holly fell out and the fight was 45. And I was like, all right, sweet. This feels kind of like fate. Let's do it. So what happens when they say, oh, by the way, it's five rounds, and oh, by the way, it's a main event? Does that, like, intimidate you, or is it no, crazy? Like, do you like it? How does that feel? It's like, well, shit, let's do this. That's Honestly, it was exciting. What have you learned about Norma in the time since? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've probably studied some tape or what. I mean, what, what do you know now about her? Heavy striker. Um, she comes to bang. She throws hard. She throws down. And I think this is a potential fight of the night. But to be clear, you're saying this is not your permanent division. It's it's going to be your division for a while. You expect to, to do this for a while, but you do see a return to 35? I do. We'll talk after uh, after this fight with the people that matter about if the next one will be at 35 or 45. But obviously, I can take a 45 on a 10-day notice. I can take a 45 on a six-week notice kind of thing. 35, I cannot. It takes me a long time. and has to be exact. So this is just an opportunity for me to fight more and to be more healthy doing it. And healthy, I think, is the key word, right? So I think people were curious, like, how much would you go up? Like, is this two weeks? Has it been two more weeks of weight cutting to keep you at 45? Or, I mean, do you feel healthy? What, what has this time been like? I'm not cutting weight to make this fight. Um, I've been trying to get to 35 for so long that you get pretty low. And I had not put on much weight by the time they called me for this one. So a couple days of dieting and no, there's, there's no weight cut involved. 
I'm sure you probably haven't paid attention to it, but there are fans that say she doesn't deserve this opportunity. You know, you, you just missed weight. How can you be in a main event? H have you heard any of that? And if so, I mean, how do you address that? Oh, yeah. Um, well, we're the ones that are ready to take it. You, it I mean, you got to use your brain a little bit there, a little bit of deductive reasoning. After the last one, do you think they called me first? No. They called other people, and it's a dangerous opponent on short notice. Nobody else took it. We did. So we get the opportunity. Nice. Last thing for me. 45 is an interesting division, right? Because there's not a lot of fighters there. So, I mean, you win here. I mean, we're, we're talking about title discussion, aren't we? I mean, do you feel like, hey, I could go from this into a fight with Amanda Nunes? Uh, the same woman, uh, woman is at the top of both heaps there, and it's the same very dangerous opponent. Um, I don't know. 45 is very interesting because right now there's not much substance. But I think they're about to sign Kayla Harrison. At least they're going to try to. She had her last fight with PFL, and I think they're going to build the division around her. They want new blood and new faces. So... I think over the next couple years, by the way, if that happens, we'll flush out pretty good. I mean, look, there's still going to be people that, that hate, right? I mean, there's still going to be people that, that doubt, that are frustrated. And I get Look, there's nothing wrong with still saying, okay, I like what she said, but I still think it's wrong. You could do that. I mean, but I, I think the the – the key, I, I think she's handling everything right. She's not trying to make excuses. Um, you know, the fact that she's saying I'm still not done at 135, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe that's one of those things that, you know, it takes it takes time for you to finally admit. I mean, how long did Charles Oliveira tell us that, that he's a featherweight, right? And then finally it's like, ah, okay, I guess I'll be a lightweight and now I'm UFC champion. This could be one of those situations where they're going to keep telling you, no, nah, I still have band weight in my future, but somebody just finally realizes, no. This is where you need to be at. So, I, you know, I, I don't falter for that, but I wish she was just like, no, I'm all in on 145. Um, but, I, I, listen, the, the key things to me that stand out there are the fact that, A, you know, if you're going to be mad at her, she's not the one that volunteered. As she said, they called me. And, and, and I know I wasn't option number one, but they called me and I was ready, and that's why I'm getting this opportunity. How can you be mad at that? Now, if you want to be mad at the UFC and say, oh, I, it's disgusting what they did. I can't, I can't believe they offered this to her. Oh, okay. That's that's okay. That's absolutely right. I, I heard a lot of people say, um, you know, well, why not Macy Chesson? Why didn't you give that fight to Macy Chesson? Why not give her the headlining opportunity? Um, per my understanding, you know, the thought process was, well, if Macy Chesson takes this fight, it's meaningless because she wants to go back down to 135. So why are we even doing a fight? You know, we got this division at featherweight that everybody says we're not building out. Well, why are we going to give a bantamweight a fight at featherweight just so she can go right back down to bantamweight? You know, with Lad, we know she needs to go to 145. Uh, that's clear at this point. So let's, you know, let's get her introduced to the division and let's get a body that's actually at 145. And so from that perspective, um, I kind of understand the logic. You know, and I've got to assume they cut a check to Macy Chesson as well. I've got to assume they cut a check to her. Um, so I, 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 I'm not mad at the UFC. I'm certainly not mad at Aspen Lad. I think if you are going to be mad, if you're frustrated about the situation, then you just got to hold it on the UFC. You can't hold it on Aspen Lad. She just got the call and said, yeah, I'll do it. You know what I mean? I don't think you can blame her for that. So the last little thing I wanted to touch on there was uh, how about the little Kayla Harrison uh, shout out there. Now, no secret that, that no secret that you know Kayla Harrison's in her last fight on her PFL deal and that she's entering free agency afterwards. We all know that. But I do wonder, I do wonder, you know, is that a situation where Aspen Ladd and, and her team were just kind of thinking about the possibilities of the future? Or did maybe, you know, as as the matchmakers and UFC brass were talking to Ladd's team about the idea, 
maybe they float out the idea of like, no, we're uh, we're actually really building out this division. Like we we're gonna go get Kayla Harrison after this, and that accidentally got leaked out. I don't know. I don't know which one. Now, listen, I know, you know, they whether they'll talk about it publicly or not. I mean, the UFC is clearly aware of who Kayla Harrison is. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Obviously, you know, the matchmakers, their job is to scout talent, even in other organizations. Um, and, of course, her manager is Ali Abdelaziz, who, uh, you know, represents how many UFC athletes, how many high-level UFC athletes. So, clearly, you know, the UFC is aware of Kayla Harrison, her skills, and that sort of thing. So, um, you know. I don't know if this is a. I just. I'm just curious. It may have been nothing. It may have been nothing. But I wonder. Was there maybe some inside information shared back there? We're gonna see how that plays out uh, in a couple weeks. Obviously, uh, PFL final at the at the end of uh, this month. And then we'll see where Kayla Harrison goes from there. Uh, you know, I, I can't falter either way. If the PFL is gonna cut some fat checks to keep her right where she's at, good for her. Um, but I sure as heck wouldn't hate seeing her in the UFC because I'm I'm sold on Kayla Harrison, man. I think she's the real deal. Uh, all right, listen, the rest of this card, uh, you know, listen, it's 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 another one of those cards. It's not stacked to the gills with huge talent, um, but there's some intriguing names, right? Two of the all-time, uh, you know, leading vets in appearances, Andre Olosky and Jim Miller, both uh, in in uh, both in, in action here in some pretty interesting fights, right? Andre Olosky faces Carlos Felipe, who was I mean coming out just. I mean, just calling him out on social media every damn day and then got the fight. Uh, love to see that, man. You know, a little, you, you always like a little little flavor to it. And uh, Carlos Felipe, by the way, if you didn't see the, the media, uh, he's got the word brawler tattooed on his cheek now. It's right on his cheekbone. Uh, I thought he was coming in with a black eye. And then I looked up there and I was like, oh, that's that's a tattoo that says brawler. And he was like, you know, he said he got it after his last fight. He said it represents not only his style, but also just kind of everything in life. You know, he's brawling with everything. So, all right. <laughs> but, listen, I'm an, I'm an unabashed Andre Arlovsky homer. Uh, just, I mean, one of the good guys in the sport. And, and think about, you know, how long he's been doing it. And, uh, you know, he's one of the guys I'll, I'll readily admit I'm a fan of. So, inside, uh, certainly I'll be professional on press row, but I'll be pulling for Andre Arlovsky. Jim Miller, another stud. I mean, it's just been at it forever. Unbelievable. Um, facing a newcomer in Eric Gonzalez, which I think is crazy, man. You know, I mean, the guy that's done it. This many times against uh, you know a guy that's coming in doing it for the first time, man. That's that's pretty incredible. I mean, it, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, what does experience matter? It's still a fight. I mean, right? A, a fist landing on a chin doesn't care if you're experienced or not. But it just is intriguing that the type of mental, you know, the, the mental zone that, that they'll both be in when they step in there. Um, so that's interesting, you know, two two stud veterans there, and then you know a, a fight that I really am looking forward to: Mano Firo uh, versus Myra Bueno Silva. Uh, certainly, man, that's a that's a fantastic fight there. Um, I, I'd really, you know, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be fireworks. Um, I think that uh, Mano Firo um, looks like the real deal. I I really do think um, that she's um, future championship material. You know, now. Is anybody a future champion while Valentina Shevchenko's there? Uh, maybe not, but <laughs> but uh, I, I think she's got uh, uh, some real skills, and I look forward to seeing uh, this matchup. I think it's I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, Scott McCrate, I know, will certainly uh, support me in that one, man. He's a uh, he's a big supporter of Manon Firo. Uh, 
So, uh, good one. And then it kicks off with Julian Marquez versus Jordan Wright, which I think is going to be a fun fight as well. And I always say I like to share a little audio with people that may be a little under the radar. And I think Jordan Wright is probably on a lot of people's radars by now. Uh, you know, he's he's got a, a sweet nickname with the Beverly Hills Ninja. You know, he was he was on the Contender Series, didn't work out, but fought his way back to the USC. He's had a couple of uh, impressive results, some quick finishes. So he's probably on your radar, but um, – I don't know, man. I just he came in and I enjoyed hearing from him as well, man. So I thought I'd uh, start play a little bit of uh, of Jordan Wright. So here's here was his uh, media day session. Jordan, obviously an uh, an impressive performance last time out. I mean, how important was that for you to kind of bounce back from the from the first loss and and do it in spectacular fashion? Uh, it was awesome. It was incredibly important. I feel like it was. Uh... I don't know. Like, I feel like even just this whole process of since, you know, since before getting signed to the UFC, fighting again for the LFA, it's just been a nonstop process. I never leave the gym. I never stop training. Even when I have injuries, I'm still figuring something else to do. And so it, it was kind of a, a good thing after the Buckley loss to show that even something like that, like I was back in the gym very shortly after that, still working on new things. And it was just like, you look at all these old K1 fighters who will fight like, you know, 20 times a year who have hundreds of fights. It's just like, it's just, it's just the lifestyle. You lose, you win, you go back into the gym, you know, you want to do your best, you want to get the win, but sometimes it doesn't go your way. So you just keep training and you don't stop. So obviously the old saying is that you learn more from your losses than your wins. I mean, did you find that to be true or are you like, I don't need, I don't need those lessons? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say more or less. I think it just depends on the situation. Like if, if a loss truly – like a win can expose you as well. But I feel like if you truly get exposed in a certain aspect or there's a part of your preparation that wasn't uh, perfect or the weight cut or whatever, it's just another process to learn. You know, I was thinking about that even earlier today when doing a lot of the media stuff. I'm like – this isn't a drag. Like, it was never really a drag, but it's still just more you have to do. But I'm like, no, this is fine. Like, I'm in the moment. This is cool. Like, there are people working their asses off, you know, and, and having other types of jobs that, you know, wish they could do something like this. So I'm just incredibly fortunate and thankful that uh, I'm able to live the life that I live. Yeah, great way to look at it. Uh, you get the matchup with Julian. Um, was that an exciting one for you? On paper, it looks like it could be a, a, pr a pretty good fight. Yeah, absolutely. He's an incredibly tough opponent. He's definitely a big test for me, and uh, I embrace it with open arms. I feel like, uh, yeah, just a, it's just a great test and a great way for me to, to show my skills to the world. Anything you do unique or different this time around uh, in preparation for this one? Yeah, yeah, we've done a lot of new stuff, you know, a lot of new cool secret stuff that you guys will be able to see on Fight Night. Ninja stuff, right? Ninja stuff, always. It's always a secret. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, you're starting to get a lot of hype around you. Like, I'm starting to see a lot of people really say, man, this guy, even, even though you just had the loss, you know, a lot of people say, this guy's the future. I mean, do you embrace that? Is that a little bit like, hold on, let me kind of still keep developing in here a little bit? Or do you like the fact that you're getting that attention? You know, I, I've said this analogy before, but like, I really live, uh, it's an old analogy called the analogy of the songbird. And uh, the songbird, you know, one day is just singing a song and a guy comes up to him and says, songbird, I, I hate your song. It keeps me up and it's not even that good. The songbird says, I don't really care about you. I'm just the songbird. I'm singing my song. Five minutes later, another guy comes by. Songbird, I love your song. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It gives me hope and inspiration. Songbird goes, I don't really care. I'm just the songbird. I'm going to sing my song, and that's what I do. Whether it's hype or negativity, at the end of the day, I'm just, I kind of live in my own kind of, I, I face my own direction. The, the praise or the negativity, anything, I just, I just kind of ignore it and listen to my coaches, and I, I have a close inner circle, and not much gets in between that.
I like that. Look at you dropping wisdom here. You got ninja <laughs> stuff. You got wise fables to drop to us. I mean, it's great. Let me talk about the goal here. Because like I said, on, on paper, it looks like it could be a pretty explosive fight. And yep. obviously, you've shown the ability to do that. So do you go in there saying, I want to do something spectacular in this fight? Or, or, or is that not the way you walk in there? No, not really. I just kind of go in and uh, I just... I feel in the moment what's uh, what gets presented to me and the things that I can can establish myself. Uh, yeah, even in the last one with Pickett, I was just like, I remember being in there, being like, "This is fine. Like, I could go to decision. It doesn't matter." And then he opened up on me, and I was like, "All right, well, thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna take what you're given, and that's what I've been doing my whole career." But yeah, no, I just kind of go in there with a open mind and uh, ready to perform. Awesome. Last thing for me. Uh, where do you see yourself going from here, man? A win over here, you know, it's kind of a recognizable name. It looks like it'll be a, an exciting fight one way or the other. So, I mean, are you looking at rankings, opponents, and things like that, or do you worry about that? This there, are, there are opponents that I, that I look at, but uh, at the end of the day, I just kind of focus on on the now. You know, I try not to get too lost in, in uh, what could potentially be or what might this be or what might that be. I'm just kind of just doing my thing. You know, the title, the title is what I want, and I'll do whatever I have to to get it. go well spoken good mood enthusiastic and uh i don't know man i just like i like the things he had to say and i really i really did like kind of the, the songbird fable that he had there you know i mean maybe some cliche or, or whatever but I, I just man it's really become um i think more and more important these days and, and with with social media and, and stuff like that man um to just do your thing just do it man if you are confident in what you're doing and you feel good about what you're doing, then just do it. You know what I mean? So I, it, it is so weird because, man, so many of you guys are, are so supportive. And I get kind messages all the time on, on social media. And then you get mean ones, too. And I mean, like, really mean ones. You know, like, like dude, that's really what you got on your phone today to do was to try to take a shot at me, some dude you've never even met before? Like, for what? What the hell? Um going to get you down sometimes, man, or at least me personally, you know, um, it's, it's hard to avoid that stuff, man. And, 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 and I love little reminders like that. You know, I love little reminders like that. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, there's going to be some people that love what you do. And there's gonna be some people that hate what you do, but man, if you're confident in what you're doing and you feel it's the best of you and you enjoy it and the hell with it, man, just go on and keep singing your song. You know what I'm saying? So we're getting deep here. Is that too deep? We're getting, <laughs> we're getting too emotional there. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I like that message. So, uh, listen, that's your that's your uh, main card. Uh, prelims, uh, man, I, how about Brandon Davis, man? That's a name I'm going to shout out right there. Um, I'm, I'm a Brandon Davis fan, and so I'm happy to see him back in the USC. Uh, you know, the, the dude can, can scrap. So uh, I'm excited to see that one. Uh, Luby Godness, how about her coming back a week later, looking to set records, uh, fighting up a weight class after winning last week, got out of there unscathed. Uh, from what I understand, like actually left Vegas, like went to Florida, I think, to start a vacation and then got the call and came back. Um, she's uh, replacing Sajara Eubanks, taking on Luana Carolina uh, and looks to become the first UFC fighter to pick up two wins uh, in like, – I guess it would be seven days. Is that seven days or is it eight? Days? I guess it's two wins and two wins and eight days, right? It's got to be eight days, because yeah, <laughs> that's some embarrassing math. I'm going. Let's pretend that didn't happen. 
Let's just pretend that because if it's it's not two wins in seven days, right? Because a week has seven days. If you're fighting on Saturday and then Saturday, that is seven days later. But you got to count that day for the record. So it would be two wins in eight days. Yes, I've talked myself into it. That's exactly what it is. <sighs> All right. Uh, how about Ludovic Klein versus Nate Landwehr as well? That could be a phenomenal fight as well. So, you know, you got the gritty Andrew Sanchez is on there. Uh, Ramazan Ami versus Danny Rod. Look, I think it's going to be a fun one again. I think it's going to be a fun one again. Um, I think it's going to be an entertaining one. So I think we're good, but I get it. You know, this is not the, the star-studded one. But I think for the hardcores, like I imagine anyone listening to this is, I think we're going to get another entertaining night. So I look forward to that. Of course, we will wrap it up on the and a half over at patreon.com slash the MMA Road Show. So make sure you're supporting us over there and uh, you're getting that bonus content. Got some extra bonus content coming over there as well. So uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. I'll, sh- I'll share it with the with the with the junkie supporters first. The junkie supporters. No, the roadshow supporters. <laughs> I'm, I'm trailing off. I need I need cold coffee to anchor me here, man. I don't have cold coffee anchoring me. It's weird. Hey, listen, it's not the only fight card this weekend, of course. The Bell Tour 268 is happening this weekend as well, and it's happening the same day. Uh, so they're going head to head on Saturday. Although I think once again we'll be in a situation where. Uh, and I like this. Uh, I, I wish they were going on different days, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, so I could catch the full cards uh, of both. But that's me. I'm I'm greedy like that. I'd like to have, you know, kind of one fight card a night. Um, but at least I believe the main card will be off the air for the UFC before the main card starts at Bellator 268. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to see it. So I think if you want to watch it all live, you know, you watch the whole UFC, then you watch the Bellator main card, and then you go back and catch the prelims on replay. Uh, that that'll be my plan for it. So, uh, but you know, listen, I've been saying I, I gotta have my guys on. You know, I gotta have our junkie crew out there on. Uh, you know, when I can. So, uh, Nolan King is uh, is out in Phoenix, Arizona, covering Bellator 268. He'll be leading. Uh, he's already been leading our coverage this week. He'll be leading our coverage on Fight Night as well. Uh, so, I figured, you know. Let's get the man, Nolan King, on. Let's let's bring him in and get his thoughts on Bell Tour 268. And so uh, I got him on the phone just a little bit ago. Here's our conversation. All right, so Nolan King joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. More specifically, I mean, I think we just got to pull back the curtain a little bit and just say, I mean, you're not just in Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, you're at... You're you're at the restaurant of of of, of MMA royalty, uh, Jose Youngs, who I swear is going to get a uh, a job with a major outlet one of these days. Man, I have a feeling he's going to get it. Uh, you're uh you're get, you're getting some free food there, maybe they're giving you the hookup. Oh no, man! Are you kidding me? They're charging me extra. You know, <laughs> now that we're on that, I got the junkie budget. No, I'm just kidding. It's actually it was pretty good. It's uh it's a vegan place, Verdura plant based eatery. I did not know that it was vegan until I got there. It was explained that it was vegan, but had some bunch of stuff. I don't necessarily know what it was, but it tasted good. It's kind of like a ramen type uh, ramen type bowl, and it worked out well. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm going to switch to being vegan. Yeah, let's be nah, honest. That's, 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 yeah, that's not going to happen. That's kind of hey, that's nah. kind of a dirty move, isn't it, man? Just like like <laughs> like bring you to a restaurant, and not saying it's vegan. I mean, I understand there's a vegan culture out there, and it's not a bad thing, but that's. That's kind of a shady move, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's something just like like whatever that name of that other website is that you mentioned earlier. I mean, it's just kind of their MO, you know? <laughs> and uh, we're pulling in, and Jose's telling me how Dana White went there, and Dana White was so surprised that when they got there, it was vegan. And I, that was when I found out it was vegan. So Dana and I had a similar experience. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we, uh, we, all, we all had those similar experiences to Dana White, of course. And we can all relate oh. to kind of what he goes through on a daily basis. No doubt, man. Yeah, I mean, we have similar size houses, everything. You know, <laughs> we just kind of 
if Dan ever needs to step down, I think we got him. <laughs> All right, man. Well, of course, we're enough vegan talk. We're bringing you on to talk about Bellator 268, of course. Um, obviously, man, listen, you know, I, I'm, I'm torn on this a little bit, and I want to get your opinion on it because obviously, man, you're, you're as in tune with the Bellator beat as, as anybody. But I like Grand Prix. I like the tournaments. Um, and, and I don't want to take away because I think you've got some really talented individuals, uh, you know, in, in the semifinals here. But I don't, for whatever reason, and maybe it's, maybe it's just the fact that we lost Anthony Johnson. Maybe it's the fact that Yoel Romero is no longer involved in I, I don't know, man. This one, to me, it's not grabbing me the same way like, the, you know, the, the Featherweight Grand Prix did. Is, is it, I, you know, I, I, you're there covering it, so maybe it's a little bit different feel and an unfair question. But does this one, does this one sit a little bit different to you for some reason? Yeah, I think it does. You know, I think you hit it on the head and maybe that's just Bellator has gotten lucky with those other ones. Like I'm kind of surprised that something calamity hasn't happened. I mean, you think about the featherweight Grand Prix that, you know, just ended, they, they went through a pandemic. There was all these delays and like, you know, nobody got hurt. They still had all the fights. I mean, they had the the best possible biggest matchup at the end of it. So I think everything's kind of worked out well, even, even with the heavyweight division when they had theirs, I mean, you had a lot of legends in there and Fedor ended up making it to the finals. So I think things have gone so well that maybe when something like this happens and, and somebody like Rumble Johnson, who's kind of the the, uh, the main player, the, the, the fighter that people are most excited to see in the tournament pull out. I mean, you had Yoel Romero, who was supposed to be in the tournament initially. He had to pull out. So I think part of it is just the idea of like what we had versus what we ended up with. It's kind of a, an empty a feeling of emptiness there. Uh, and then also just kind of the way that this tournament is. It's, it's kind of odd, right? Because you have those those older fighters that we've got used to seeing so many times, you've got the Ryan Baders of the world, you had Machida in the first round. And then you also have, uh, you know, obviously the alternate that's stepping in. I think it was the right call. It was the right choice to be the alternate, but Julius Anglicius is not somebody that many people know. Um, so I, I definitely think it has a bit of a different vibe. And just with all the unfortunate things that's happened with it, you know, I, I definitely am on board with what you're saying. Yeah, and I guess I think you nailed it too. It's it's a little bit out of Bellator's control, right? I mean, with the featherweight, I guess that's one of the reasons you know UFC president Dana White has always said how much he hates uh, you, you know the tournaments because you can't really get the fights necessarily that you want. So I guess some of it's just some bad luck. I I don't want to put down Bellator. I think that's the main thing is like I don't want to make it seem like we're ragging on Bellator or whatever. I mean, they, I I still like what they're doing here, and, and again, you still have some talent. So let, let's talk about uh, Angelique stepping in here. As you said, I think it's the right call. Um, I think the press release was awesome where they. Said like he's getting the, the opportunity of a lifetime, and it is, mm-hmm. right, to step in because you're not only stepping in a Grand Prix, but you're stepping in uh, for a title fight as well. Um, the right call, impressive career record, um, but it, does he pose any problems for Vanin Nemkov as, as you see it? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think so. Um, it's hard to tell again because, you know, Anglikish is a guy that's he's done so well. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of – he's won all these fights in a row. He won on Dana White's Contender Series. He's – He's looked like a really strong fighter thus far in Bellator, so it's it's hard for me to necessarily pinpoint exactly how Vadim Nemkov will beat him. But I think Vadim Nemkov is just on such another level uh, that that to have such a really good champion that you can kind of make that argument with, like, okay, you know, everybody likes to compare the UFC and Bellator. Bellator's 205 pound champion would be a contender in the UFC. I think most people would agree yes. that that would be the minimum line that he would be. Like, he's really, really good. So for Inglikish to not only have to come in here to be an unknown to be kind of a bit unproven, but then also to have to fight, you know, a really dominant champion. It's not, you know, he's not stepping in and fighting somebody in the first round, second round that's over the hill. He's fighting the guy in this division. So I think that that, to loop back actually to your first question, that might be part of the reason that the intrigue's kind of kind of down as well. So, I mean, I, I don't think that he poses much of a threat. That being said, have we seen somebody be able to, to hold down, you know, uh, 
Nemkov in the past. I think that that has been something that we've seen in the Phil Davis fight. Yep. And I think the, the Carl Albrechtson fight, who's the other alternate in Bellator right now. So who knows? I mean, styles make fights and, and, and Glikas just certainly fits the part. If you look at him, he's a, he's a massive fighter. He's a massive guy, kind of the perfect build for 205. So I'm intrigued by the fight, but I, I'm not expecting anything less than an Nemkov win. Yeah, I hate to say that, but I kind of feel the same about it. I mean, upsets do happen. As you said, there are paths to victory, but I, I think you're right. I think Nemkov would, would compete with anybody in the world right now. The opposite side of it, the more recognizable names. And here, here's here's one thing I kind of wondered, too, and I, I was thinking about it, you know, as, as, as you know, I was looking at this card, is that, like, you know, would this event get more attention if Bader Anderson was the main event? I mean, I know you can't do that because the, the title is on the line. Obviously, you want to have the, the, the champion uh, in your main event, but it for, from a markability, perspective, I wonder if it would make more sense if Ryan Bader and Corey Anderson were actually the main event instead. I wonder if, if, if the casual fan would be a little more drawn to it because they know those names. Yeah, I think 100%. And I was actually, I, I'd heard that there was maybe some talk of that uh, when these fights were being booked, discussing that obviously Ryan Bader fighting in his backyard here in Arizona for the first time as, as a major, you know, for a major promotion. He never did it with the UFC. This is kind of his, uh, his big homecoming, so to speak. And so I was a little surprised that they didn't do that. Um, I, I do credit Bellator. They, they kind of sometimes will swim against the, uh, the, the tides, yeah. so to speak, when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to put the respect of, oh, this guy's a champion. So he automatically goes to top of the bill. I, I think, uh, you know, actually in London, it was funny. They had kind of they, they kind of went the opposite way where Michael Venom Page was actually given the top billing over Douglas Lima, even though their rankings were <laughs> were. Uh, we're reversed. So who knows? I mean, Bellator maybe sometimes is, is moving towards maybe starting to do things that might uh, look, you know, be better for promotion. But I think overall, as a whole, Scott Coker and these guys have always tried to, to put the champions on the, the bill with the utmost respect. And I, I, I can't discredit them for it. I think we would maybe be complaining if they did the opposite. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree with you. Let me be clear with that. I think you're right. I think the champion should hold the the, the, the headlining slot. I think that's just respecting the belt, respecting the title holder, but it does make me wonder if it would resonate better. Uh, what do you think about uh, Bader Anderson? I'm just, I'm just going to say, I, I went Corey Anderson on my staff picks, and to be honest with you, I thought I was going against the grain, but but I look at the odds, and he's actually a slight favorite. I, I, I don't know. I, th I think maybe I was a little bit surprised by that. What's, what's your feelings on this fight? Is, yeah. is Anderson the favorite here? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, John. And actually, it's funny. Sometimes you ask fighters the question about how their fight's going to go, and you might disagree with their analysis, or maybe they'll say something to hype themselves up. But I actually thought Corey's was, was pretty apt. You know, you're saying, I feel like I'm catching Bader at a good time. Like, he's still a good fighter, but there's certain things that just aren't on his side. You know, him getting older, uh, he's, he's been taking, you know, in the Nemkov fight, he took a tremendous amount of damage. He looked a little gun-shy in the Machida fight a little bit. So I think that they're, uh, you know, age maybe starting to catch up with Ryan Bader. And in terms of um, the couple last couple of weight cuts, I think have been kind of difficult. You know, he put on a lot of muscle when he was fighting at heavyweight and then to move back down. I, I think he looked on the scales, not particularly great. So I think, uh, Corey's really right. I think he's catching Ryan at a good time. And I think that Corey's still, you know, one of the best light heavyweights in the world. Sure. His UFC fight ended in a, a brutal knockout, but that guy's the title holder now. So, uh, I, I think Anderson is kind of still at that premier elite level and, and Bader's still really, really, really good and really tough. I could probably beat. Most of the, you know, most of the light heavyweights in the UFC, 
but I, I do I do favor Anderson in this fight. I think he's just uh, kind of more in his prime right now than, than Ryan Bader. Yeah, that's kind of the way I saw it too. I, I was a little surprised to see. I thought maybe you know others wouldn't be as quick to, to to fade Bader a little bit, but it looks like that's where the betting line is at as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, of course, Bader, kind of guy that could go in there and uh, definitely prove us all wrong. G- give me your take on on Benson Henderson and, Br- and Brent Premis. I mean, obviously, uh, you know Henderson, another guy that's kind of on his way out, right? I mean, he's he's talking about the old R word and, and where the end is out, but but maybe, you know, thought he should be involved in title fights, and of course Brent uh, feels like, uh, I think he, he made it pretty clear he's not excited about what Bellator did with, with the title fight, so talk to you about kind of the emotions and, and what's on the line here. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, right? It's kind of opposites of media day. You got Brent Primus, who just, I think, every fight, I like the guy, I love his honesty, I like he always, is, he's never gonna, uh, you know, hold something back, he's, he's kind of wears his sleeve, you know, his, his uh, heart on his sleeve, so to speak, but yeah, he was fired up. Uh, angry as always about something to do with Bellator, and he was not happy about the implementation of the uh, the lightweight or the the vacation, and then implementation of the lightweight title uh, in the fight between Tricky Pitbull and Peter Queeley that's coming up here. He was all sorts of fired up, and then you had Benson Henderson on the other side, who you know looks like the guy who's done it. He's done it a lot, but he looks like he's done it a bazillion times. You know, he's just <laughs> sitting standing there. It's like you know, kind of just going through the the motions of media day wouldn't be able to tell that that guy's going to get in a fist fight in front of you know thousands of people in a couple of days um so so very much opposites coming into to media day um it's interesting you bring up benson henderson and, and the r word as you said the retirement word um it's, it's hard i think sometimes for me to tell how much he's motivated at this point in his career yeah like i think he but i think with with the belt being back where it's the division's going to have movement again i think that that's going to maybe light a fire under him a little bit that was kind of maybe the thing that was missing um and he'd love to add that to his legacy so I'm interested in this fight. It's quite possible that the winner could go on and, and get a title shot, you know, against the winner of, of Queeley versus uh, Pitbull, depending on how that played out. Um, but it's fun, man. It's, I think it's a good supporting fight for this card and a bit of a homecoming for Benson Henderson as well. Yeah, no, I like it. And it uh, looks like uh, just about a pick according to the odds makers. So a good fight there. And I, like you said, I think the winner's right there in line for a title shot, you know, and uh, name value, especially with Benson Henderson, man. You certainly, I'm sure the – uh, sure, Bellator would like to capitalize on that. Uh, you know, any other any other fights that are standing out to you? I mean, this is a, a preliminary card that you know Bellator has done a lot better, right? It's it's not just local ticket sellers anymore. I mean, there's there's actual you know up and coming contenders and people that they're going to bank on on their undercards, which didn't used to be the case for years and years. So, in, any names that you've got circled that you're that you're looking forward to seeing in action? Yeah, I'm interested in seeing Jalen Bates compete. Uh, he's still really on, early on in his career, but. It's funny, we always used to say that he had like an A.J. McKee-type swagger to him. He, he kind of presents like A.J. did when he first came into to Bellator. And uh, sure enough, he's got linked up, and he did this camp with uh, with with Antonio and A.J., and they're oh, going to wow. both be in his corners for this fight. So I think he's somebody, if people have enjoyed seeing A.J. McKee fight, um, you know, he's kind of going to be, uh, he's, 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 a, he's a ways away from being somebody that's fighting for belts or, or contendership or anything like that. But uh, if you're somebody that likes to watch the journey, I think he's somebody that uh, you should definitely keep circled. And then on the women's side, similar prospect, uh, similar stage in her career, Tamiko Anaba is a fighter from uh, from Hawaii. She had a very good amateur build and, and finally turned pro, and she's 2-0. Very, uh, very fun personality, very bubbly media day. She's somebody, I think, uh, again, early on, but if you, if you like watching those prospects, which, you know, I do, that that would be a good one. And I'll, I'll throw one more at you, John. I know I'm, I'm maybe overextending my stay here, but, uh, the fight, Jaleel Willis is on the undercard, and that yeah. fight I think will be really good too. If you just look at the records on paper, it's 15 and 2 versus uh, 14 and 1 or something like that. 
that would be one uh, second fight of the night, I think, to, to kind of kick things off. No, I completely agree. It's certainly not overstaying your welcome. Let me ask you one more. Maria Henderson, do we know what to expect out of Maria Henderson? And, and what's this uh, what's this fight week experience like for that couple? Yeah, she, she was really calm, you know. I think uh, it was funny. Like, Benson obviously played it off. Like, oh, you know, it's just another fight week like he always does. And she was kind of the same way. You know, you can there was very similar vibes coming for both of them, despite their experience levels being so vastly different. So um, I think it's kind of a fun thing. Seemed like uh, there was something that, that the Hendersons actually kind of proposed to Bellator and Bellator uh-huh. said, sure, you know, we haven't done amateur fights for a few years. Um, they used to do them from time to time, but sure. Like this one's, this one's cool. We dig it. So she's hoping that Bellator, uh, you know, keeps her on and, and uh, maybe when she turns pro, she'll keep competing for for them. But she looked good in LFA. I was on coverage duty that night for the card that she fought uh, a few months ago. And, um, you know, she, I think she's 29. So she's kind of a, a little later starting than maybe some fighters. Um, but I'll be interested. You know, she's got certainly got a, a good training partner and a good uh, guide in life to help her if she wants to find success in MMA. I was going to say, do you know if she plans on, like, you know, making this an extended run? Or is this more just like the novelty of, of being able to fight with her husband and, and having this experience? I think it's kind of a combination of both. I think, you know, she's taking it seriously for where it is now and kind of seeing where it gets her. Uh, she's a mom, too. But she's somebody that, I'd, uh, you know, she I, I think I believe she had done jujitsu and stuff before she even met Benson. Like that was kind of her world. And then when she met Benson through the jujitsu scene, then she started thinking about MMA and ultimately decided to, to pursue it. So I think it's kind of a combination of both kind of testing the waters. But this could be the type of opportunity that, that makes her go all in, you know, if Bellator is interested in and having her fight for them and, and having the build from them, I think uh, will be interesting. I think the only, the only issue is the weight class, the weight classes, um, you know, she's a straw weight, so she would either have to bulk up or, or maybe she's, she's not a big person. So maybe if Bellator, you know, added an atom weight division, she could compete there. So um, I think, I think the weight class is just going to be the issue. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even thought about that. You know, adding an atom weight division might not be a bad idea for them. You know, they they kind of built out the featherweight division before the UFC started snatching everybody up. And if they were the first ones to jump on an atom weight division, maybe they could have similar success in kind of locking talent up. No doubt. You know, and it's funny. I I wouldn't be shocked honestly if either the either Bellator or the UFC does that in the next year or so. I think. Uh, both, both, both promoters, both Coker and Dana White. I think the, you know, everybody, John, we 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 know this better than anyone. Like, probably, I don't know, twice or twice a year, each guy, each promoter will be asked by somebody about, oh, did you ever think about Adam Adam White yeah. division? And usually the answers are always the same. Like, no, we're happy with it. And I think the last time Dana was asked about it, he kind of said something about, oh, it's something that they're probably going to do down the line. Yeah. You know, it was it was kind of a pivot. So that changed to me after him repeating the same thing over and over again. Makes me think it it might actually happen and. I think that I asked Coker about it around that same time, and, and he kind of gave a similar vibe. So maybe there's, uh, you know, one, one of them sensing over the, you know, sensing that the other might add it. and Maybe it's a little bit of a race. So I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if, if we see uh, one of the two promotions add that in, in the near future. Be interesting to see who pulls the trigger first, because like I said, yeah. you know, then you can start stocking the time. As I, said, I think, I mean, Bell, let's be honest, Bellator's featherweight division is better than the UFC's featherweight division. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you don't have, you know, the 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 one name at the top, obviously, but uh, I mean, as a whole, I think the women's featherweight division is better in Bellator. It's just got more depth. Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's got obviously uh, Chris Cyborg at the top, and then it's got contenders. It's kind of int- you know, it's nice to. And sure, even if you look at Bellator's, it's not, you know, dripping maybe with the talent of other divisions, but it's nice to kind of have some divisional flow and just be functioning, you know. And I think uh, if the UFC even snags some of these, the, the, the Bellator top contenders or some of the, the girls in PFL, like, to me, I think it makes a big difference when you at least can say you have a top 10, you know, and, and make this division in that belt seem like something. So I, 
I think Bellator certainly got the UFC's number in that department, like you said. Yeah. My last thing I'll ask you is, uh, I, I guess, whether it be the media or whether it be uh, maybe uh, Bellator staff walking around puffing out their chest, uh, is the feeling on the ground there that uh, Phoenix has the better card than uh, than Las Vegas does this weekend? I, I think so, for sure. You know, and it's, it's funny. It might just be that the UFC is running more shows now, but I, I felt like right at the start of this pandemic, when I first started going to Mohegan, it was always like the UFC, you know, edged it out. They'd have a better one. They'd have a better one. And recently, both with the, the San Jose card, the Phil Davis Romero, and uh, this one, I think that Bellator is pretty confident that, that they have the better card. And it's, it's honestly kind of hard to argue, you know. It's no, no offense to the, the fighters on the UFC card, but uh, I think both in name recognition and in, in skills, I think Bellator, if you were to compare the main cards for this weekend, it's really, really, really tough not to lean in their direction. I think Bellator knows it, you know. And they, uh, there's a lot of people that work hard at, at Bellator, and I think they, they kind of take pride in the rare moments i think they're realistic they understand what kind of machine the ufc is and, and how much the public interest is there with just the name ufc being on something so when they have an opportunity like this i i think everybody kind of that works for the promotion hopes that that things go well and they can capitalize on uh that the, the night that people are watching them maybe over their competitor yeah no i mean i i have to admit it, even though i'll be obviously tied in with the ufc coverage uh I, I gotta say, if you're looking at it top to bottom, you know, I mean, I guess maybe sometimes Bellator, you know, there's a couple of one and O fighters or whatever. So if you're right, going to pick right. those, but yeah, in, in terms of the name recognition and obviously a title on the line and Grand Prix and former UFC champ Vincent Henderson in there, I mean, uh, they at least certainly have a, a compelling argument to make this week. So uh, anyway, listen, man, Nolan, I've taken enough of your time. I want to let you get back to that vegan food, man. I hate to peel you away from that, man. And I would just recommend to you, uh, if, if Jose Young's uh, tries to take you to a bar tonight, you might want to be a little careful. You might be drinking non alcoholic beer before you know <laughs> Oof. no no that they, they can't fool me on that they can fool me on the uh the ramen the, the uh synthetic eggs or whatever i just ate but this one not as much the, the, the beer not gonna happen man. you don't have to worry about that <laughs> i love yeah. it all right all right well uh, like i said we'll have full coverage of uh, both cards but uh, no one will be heading things up into phoenix so uh if you want to check out that coverage this weekend of course uh, all things bell tour 268 make sure to follow man nolan king nolan i appreciate the time brother appreciate it john all right, shout out to Nolan King for that, man. Appreciate his uh, expertise. I mean, honestly, kind of by chance, you know, but but he really is as dialed in on Bellator as you're going to get right now of any reporter out there. I mean, uh, because he was up in that, that northeast area, you know, living in Boston, he went to all those fight sphere events. And, and because of that, you know, similar to the way myself and Cole Coffey had just been, you know, going to every damn UFC event because we're here in Vegas, you know, he was kind of doing the same thing up there. Although I drive 15 minutes from my house. I think he had to drive about two hours. But still – Man, you know, really got dialed into that Bellator beat, and uh, as it worked out, just made sense for him to go to Phoenix this week as well. So, man, if you're looking for Bellator knowledge, uh, you know, if that's your if that's your jam, and, and you're looking for something, you know, some some deep intel, uh, I would highly recommend reaching out to that guy, man, because he he truly is as dialed in on the Bellator beat as, as anybody uh, out there in the marketplace these days. So, uh, thanks to him for his time. So, listen, dual event week. Uh, you know, uh, I, again, I think it's funny because I, I listen. I do. I think. Bellator probably is the sexier card, if, if I'm being honest. I mean, my attention, of course, will be on the USC because that's what I'm covering. But if I'm just equally looking at both, I, I mean, that main card from from Bellator might be the the sexier card, so to speak. So you know, I know they don't always get to to have that bragging rights, but I, I'd, I'd probably give it to them this week. Um, it's it's it should be a, a you know it should be a good show. And of course, like I said, you got a title on the line, you got the Grand Prix. We're going to get some answers about where Ryan Bader stands, you know, Corey Anderson, all these things. So, you know, we'll get our final set up for the Grand Prix. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's a big one. And, uh, yeah, you know, Benson in there as well. Where does he stand for the remainder of his career? So, 
looking forward to it, man. It's a, it's a busy weekend. So, uh, hey, like I said, before we do a, a, another episode um, next week, we will have Dana White's Contender Series 44. I touched on it, but uh, Solomon Renfro in there against Johnny Parsons again. I'm not. Uh, I'm not biased. I'm not biased. I'm just a reporter. I'm doing my job. I'll, I'll call it down the middle. But I get excited when I see CFFC vets on the card, and this is a, this is another one headlining. I mean, that's two in a row where the main event is featured a CFFC fighter, Cage Fury Fighting Championships. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> we got a show coming at the end of the month, too, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, anyway, listen, uh, yeah, I'll just say, you know, like I said to start the show, man. Uh, sorry, Cold Coffee couldn't be here this week, but uh, it's kind of an emotional week for him. So, like I said, if you're in touch with them and and uh, you know would like to give him uh, any uh, notes of support, man, I'm certainly sure he would appreciate it. Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll get back to it right away. Uh, I think he may be drowning uh, his sorrows in, in, in a frosty beverage or two. Um, but I, I know it's a tough one for him. So we'll send our, our feelings out there for him on this uh, kind of one year mark of. Uh, of a very down, bad time for him, and, and hopefully he doesn't uh, have to go through that much pain again. So, shout out to our man Cole Coffee. Uh, we won't we won't end it on too sad of a note, but we'll just uh, send a love there. Uh, I'm gonna pack up and head to my kid's soccer practice, and then uh, everybody wish me luck that I don't completely screw things up in the morning with the streaming situation. Uh, because I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little bit nervous. So, wish me luck too. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll be